Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Are your walls quaking? Are your ears vibrating? That bass is dropping. That means it's time for DLC. And wherever you are, whenever you are, however you happen to be listening, oh, we're so glad you've chosen to tune into DLC. And if you're one of our geeks and sneaks using this as a motivator to get out there into the world and exercise, man, we love that. We're going to be here with you for about 90 minutes of gaming goodness. DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way it's meant to be, and that's completely free thanks to our sponsors this week. Harry's, Squarespace, Squarespace, and Cashfly. They made that possible, bringing DLC to you. DLC, of course, the show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, that's Jeff Kanata, with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who is inviting the entire audience out to a concert immediately after this presentation, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello. We got lightsabers. We got horns for Darth Maul cosplay. We got it all. (laughs) It's going to be one rockin' orchestral? Orchestral? I've never said that word out loud, I don't think. Is that what it is? You said it correctly. Yeah, orchestral. Hello, yeah. Jeff. Welcome back to the land of the living. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I survived. I did survive. And I got my, I got my lightsaber, but I gave it away to a little kid. Uh, I was walking down the, the road at, late at night after Comic-Con carrying my lightsaber. <laughs> and this mom and her little like five-year-old boy were walking along. And I was just like, here, do you want my lightsaber? Uh, my friend and I both gave ours away. So Please, I didn't bring sir, it home. May I have some more? More? <laughs> <laughs> right. A little Oliver Twist. Oh, man. Uh, We're going to talk a lot about stuff that happened at Comic-Con, and we have the perfect guest to do that, actually. Because as much as DLC is your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, this week, DLC, once again, stands for the Diva of Legacy Confirmers, because we have, from GameSpot TV, excuse me, GameStop TV, that's what I always do with that alliteration, uh, and Game Trailers, it's our buddy... Friend of the show and one of my favorite people in gaming, Miss Andrea Renee. Hello, Andrea. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on the show this week, guys. You're back. This is the first time in 2015. Last time we saw you, it was uh, the, the December of last year. So I'm so glad. Oh my that, gosh, that you're back. was it really that long ago? Yeah, that's crazy. Um, you were at Comic Con all week. How are you holding up? 
I was. I apologize. I have a little bit of con voice from shouting above the din at the convention center all week long. But I had yeah. a fantastic time at Comic Con. A lot of uh, met a lot of really awesome people and got to see some really cool stuff. So um, another good year in the books. Yeah, I would say this year's Comic Con had more gaming stuff at it than any year I've seen previously. I think. I think that there was definitely a lot of gaming stuff, but there wasn't as much new stuff as there has been for gaming in the past from my particular experience. And I think that's just because Comic-Con was so close to E3 this year. They were only about two and a half weeks apart. And they're generally like three or four weeks apart. So we usually get at least a few new gameplay reveals. But uh, I think that's okay that there was nothing new. A lot of experience stuff, you know, like, the Battleborn laser tag and the Assassin's Creed obstacle course and the Call of Duty Black Ops 3 zombies escape room, stuff like that. That's really fun mm-hmm. for fans. Yeah, but they also had, you know, there's a whole section of the game of the show floor that had playable demos. Halo was there. Uh, mm-hmm. Mario Maker was there. Uh, they had a lot of, you know, I think a bigger section of the show floor than I'm used to. Usually it's sort of, you know, very sparse the gaming stuff but this was like a full section it was off to the side in the back corner but it was still there (laughs) that's true that's true (laughs) yeah um so we'll get to a lot of the stuff we saw at comic-con and and all the news there is one big piece of news that happened yesterday um that we should definitely talk about right at the top it's very sad the very tragic passing of nintendo's president um satoru iwata who has been the front-facing president of Nintendo for uh, for many years now? He is uh, he 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 passed away sadly um, at the very young age of fifty-five, and uh, we it's a very sad event. It it may changes Nintendo uh, drastically. He has led the company through some of its biggest moments. Um, he shepherded the introduction of the DS and the Wii. Uh, he has, he started out as a, a game programmer. So he has, he has those roots as being somebody who actually had hands-on creation with games and moved up through the ranks. Uh, he was a programmer for HAL Laboratory and created some iconic franchises, including uh, Kirby. And, and um, it's really sad to think that uh, at such a young age he has passed on. I, w- I want to throw it out to you guys a little bit to talk a little bit about uh, what you think about, about this. Andrea, obviously sad, but what's your, what's your take on, on the legacy that Awada leaves? I think that, you know, anything anybody says will be understated. He had such an amazing impact, you know, not only on Nintendo as a company and as a brand, but I think on, Nintendo fans around the world. And I think a lot of people, a lot of fans maybe don't realize just how influential he was uh, within the you know Nintendo hierarchy and structure and just like how deep his background in gaming was. We've seen a lot of quotes, people posting on social media on Twitter and Facebook, stuff that he had said about being a gamer and obviously being a game developer and then later going on to be a gaming executive. There are so few executives in the gaming space that have that kind of really rich gaming history. You know, we're lucky to have a few of them, but you know, he was a really big shining star in the executive level of, of the video games industry. And it's really sad that, you know, that we've lost him. He had been sick for quite some time. Mm-hmm. A lot of gamers maybe don't realize that, you know, he'd 
sat out E3 the last two years because of his health concerns. But of course, we kept seeing his face on the Nintendo Directs, which was really reassuring that, you know, hopefully he was getting better, but really that was not the case. He's going to be missed. He's going to be sorely missed, but he leaves behind a really fantastic legacy. Yeah, well said. I, I It's very um, heartening to see the outpouring of, of sentiment from the gaming community. Polygon has a great article with uh, comments from many, many, many game designers and luminaries in the industry who have nothing but positive things to say. And that's the thing that strikes me so much is that he was so well liked. This is a guy who had uh, a lot of a lot of power and had a very prominent position in in the industry and could have very well been prickly and difficult to deal with. And across the board, you just see such positive comments about his personality and how good a person he was, which is so nice. Christian, what what's your feeling on this? We're going to see more of it, unfortunately, as we that had grew up with games, the people that made the great games. I think it's, you know, one of the first times that one of these iconic create not the first time, certainly, but, um, you know, iconic creators were at the point now in our lives where they are going to be passing on. And it's it's hard and it's tough. And, you know, I think people handle grief differently. And I would just say to listeners and anyone really don't take your emotions um for granted or don't think if you are really upset by this if this shakes you don't throw that away listen to yourself um and if you're not shaken by it and you don't know why that's perfectly fine too and for me every time it's just a reminder that our time here is much shorter than we think it's going to be and um do something that makes you happy every day and after that what else can we really do yeah um it's a sad thing and uh a really, uh, really sad affliction that he had. Evidently, there was a growth on his bile duct, which caused uh, the problems, and uh, he was something he was struggling with. We had heard that he was getting better, but uh, sadly, it turned out not to be the case. Uh, my, my favorite quote, uh, or well, actually, there's several that, uh, of of Iwata's that are that are really inspiring. But it's a it's a wonderful one in his his final shareholder meeting, which was just a few weeks ago. Uh, someone asked him if maybe the company should reinforce its bottom line by making more money off of their iconic characters by selling them into, you know, onto shoes and t-shirts and all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, obviously there are, there are t-shirts, but to do more with merchandising than, than maybe they do bef- do up to this point. And he said, uh, most products in the character industry are consumption based in that they continuously repeat the process of birth and death. Only a handful of characters can last for one, two, or three decades. So he was a guy that cared very deeply about these characters and understood their importance culturally and understood that they couldn't just be exploited for, for monetary gains all the time. That really, um, you know, you have to respect the fact that these are these are big co- characters. So one hopes the next person to sit in those shoes has the same amount of respect for the characters. I think it's a little... Uh, premature and probably in poor taste for us to speculate too much about what this might mean from a company standpoint at this time. We have no idea. It's all very fresh. We have no idea uh, who might be next in line at Nintendo and and how they're going to handle the the role of president in the company, but it certainly will be a change. And um, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, change happening at Nintendo right now. The idea of them embracing mobile and uh, having this new console on the horizon. So it's going to be interesting to see what a new president 
does there. But but that is, that's a story for another time. Uh, at this point, we're just uh, sad to hear of the passing of a very young, very wonderful man who uh, who really meant a lot to the gaming industry and and had a big big impact. So uh, sad moment in gaming. All right, guys, let's move on and uh, get right to the the story of the week as we normally do. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is a part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of gaming. And you can always submit stories using our hashtag DLCSOTW or by visiting our subreddit that's at 5 by 5 excuse me, DLC, excuse me. What is it? 5by5dlc.reddit.com. And uh, also you can uh, comment on stories or any part of the show by sending us an email at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Andrea, you are our guest. So uh, other than the sad news that we started the show with, what would you consider to be your story of the week? Uh, Well, coming off of Comic-Con, we certainly got a lot of cool stuff, but I think a really important story, and my story of the week, is the Arkham Knight PC news. So. There is DLC coming um, for Batgirl, and Rocksteady has announced that PC players will not get this DLC. It will be postponed, and that there are word on the street is that the PC version of Arkham Knight may not return to sale until sometime later this fall, which is quite a blow to PC fans who have not yet gotten a chance to purchase the game and, of course, are still experiencing problems with the game. I'm super conflicted by this story because I have been so impressed with Arkham Knight. I'm playing the PlayStation 4 version of the game and have been just like so overwhelmed by how beautiful the visuals are and how fluid the gameplay is and how immersive the experience has been that it's really sad for me that players on PC are having so many issues. And it was it's really on Warner Brothers' shoulders for allowing the PC version to release knowing that it had so many issues yeah it speaks to rocksteady's commitment on this topic because uh it seems like they're pushing everything to the side and really just doing this um i don't know if that is to be commended because it's an issue that probably shouldn't have ever come to light in the first place but at least it seems that they are uh prioritizing fixing it and getting it right above all else that's bad news for the end user because it means you're not getting your DLC when you, it was promised on the date it was promised. But at least, you know, they are taking a fully hands-on approach to this. Uh, and the, you know, the, uh, the statement that they put out says they are working on this every single day and that it's the top priority for Rocksteady. And they, you know, they had outsourced the PC version and they are taking, um, taking control of fixing it. So, it's a bummer, man. This whole this whole thing is a bummer. It's just another in a long line of these games that come out that are broken in one form or another on one version or another. I know, Christian, it's a big topic for you. What's your take on this story? I don't know if we talked about it before. I don't think we did, but Patrick Klepek, um, <clears throat> I believe it was over on Kotaku, had an article about um, you know what WB allegedly knew, and it was kind of stuff from, I think it was QA tester saying that, yeah, they were aware <laughs> that this game had these problems. And now there's a a patch on the Steam community forums where oh, I forget his Steam uh, the, his name, but he you know went through this the the code and I guess found a thing that 
provides a better fix than anything that WB or Rocksteady has released. And this person, this poster was saying they can't believe that they didn't find this thing also and release it this way. It's it's a, a broken record of, of disappointment. It's just, it boggles my mind that it, it didn't ship better when it was such a poster for new NVIDIA cards, for exclusive Steam PC DLC, um, con- or uh, pre-order skins, and it, it's it's so sad. And I think the biggest thing is, you know, people say don't pre-order games, don't pre-order games, don't pre-order games. But this isn't even a case of not pre-ordering a game, you know, until you wait for reviews or whatever. I guess technically it is because the PC version wasn't reviewed. But, you know, they send out review copy codes for the PS4. Uh, I think Polygon gave it a 10. Everybody's singing its praises. And then you're like, this game's great. And then you go to buy it for your comparably or your well-equipped PC and then it's broken, no fault of your own. It sucks. It's it's a disappointing aspect of being a gamer in today's day and age. I, I I mean, I don't I almost don't think you can say kudos to Rocksteady for pulling it or WB for pulling it and delaying the DLC. It's it's more no, continue to be shame on you for doing this in the first place. You don't get props for keeping the dirt under the rug, right? <laughs> right. Well, it's not so yeah, much keeping no. the dirt under the rug. I think they're they're actively cleaning the dirt, but Still, shouldn't have been there in the first place. <laughs> yeah, I just—it's frustrating for me as a you know a fan of Rocksteady and everything they've done with the Arkham series, you know, up until this point to say like this is such a stain on that record and on how it's going to affect its ability to be considered for Game of the Year. Um, you know, at, in the fall when we're talking about looking back at 2015 and who had the best launches, I think we all could agree that before the game came out, it was a no-brainer that this was going to be you know, part of that um, field of contenders. And I don't know just how much this is going to affect that for, for some outlets who are going to be, you know, making those nominations and things like that. But um, at least that they're trying, they're actively trying to clean up the mess. But as you guys have said, you know, that doesn't um, make it better that there is the mess in the first place. Yeah. I will say anecdotally, um, I haven't tried the PC version, but I do have friends who, have played and finished the game on the PC. They have monster rigs. So the game is playable and finishable if you have the the horsepower. It just doesn't live up to its minimum requirements. Certainly that doesn't excuse it. Uh but I don't I just don't want to confuse anybody to think that um you know if if they purchased it that it it doesn't work across the board. It 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 can work if you have the horsepower to run it. That's just not the game they promised. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a major bummer. It's a major bummer. And it just, these things are continue to stack up and it, my goodness, it's, it's frustrating. So we start the, this, the show with two very <laughs> disappointing stories. Very sad <laughs> stories. That's probably my No, fault. that's quite all right. Uh, <laughs> Christian, what is your, what's your story of the week? Oh, I'm, I'm waffling between the two, but, um, I'll, I'll dive into, I'll, I'm going to pick, I'm going to commit. Here we go. Marvel at Comic-Con, of course, wrapped up, as we already mentioned. And a fan question came to them asking whether or not they were still looking for partners to create console games when they um, kind of announced, I guess, before they had a deal with Sega and they did the Iron Man and Captain America games and those uh, launched to not the best of sales. Of course, there was the Activision X-Men game that didn't do well. I guess most recently it was Amazing Spider-Man 2, which also didn't seem like a ratings or, or uh, sales success. 
And they had said before that they were going to find partners to create games and, you know, they scaled back no Avengers game. All these things, aside from Lego versions of these powerhouse films that years ago would have had some at least cheap tie in (laughs) haven't come out. And so a fan at Comic-Con asked and it was um, Marvel Games producer Mike Jones confirmed that they are working on them and that projects are on the work in the works. The quote is, we are very much focused on what our console strategy will be for the future. Obviously, console games take a lot longer to incubate, so that will be a slower process for us. We are very much taking a controlled, less is more, quality-focused, developer-focused strategy. So I think coming off of the Arkham Knight PC thing, this is the type of thing we should want to hear, right? And this type of thing that we should Mm -hmm. champion and say, good job, do it right, take it slow. When you come out with an Avengers game or whatever it is, please, 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 please be awesome. I know it's frustrating as a fan that we don't have Arkham, Captain America, you know, whatever you want that game to be. But I feel like this is at least the lip service that should be reassuring that hopefully when we get these things, they will live up to the quality that that we want them to be. Does this make you feel better, Andrea? Or are you just saying, or does this just seem kind of like lip service and, you know, where are the games? Um, I think that this is definitely better, um, especially with how many, you know, broken games we've had released in the last two years in particular. Um, I don't think that anyone should, you know, be mad at them because they're taking their time. I do think it's been quite a while since we've had a good Marvel game. I mean, the last big movie tie-in game that I can think of was, you know, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 that Activision released. But I, I mean, that was an okay game, an all right game. Like there was nothing, you know, super broken or bad about it. It just wasn't good. Now, I don't know how many people out there listening actually got to play that game. You know, I, I remember previewing it, looking at it, going, oh, this is perfectly fine. It's not a little boring. I just, I think we all are hoping for that one really good game, you know, that, that kind of Arkham series that DC has. What, what is that title? Or who is that developer for Marvel? Like, which series are they going to pick? We've seen X-Men games. You know, we've seen some other types of games. We've seen a couple bad Avengers games. But yeah, like it's been a while. Like, when is the next thing coming? Do you guys have a particular character in mind that you think that they're going to go with? Well, I think that. Do you remember that Captain America game that came out a few years ago? Uh, I thought that game was actually really underrated. I, I had fun with that game. It wasn't great, but it was it was basically, you know, a rock steady ish version of Captain America. It was that you know big character model, fun fighting system kind of, and it, it was not great, but I thought it was more it was better than people gave it credit for um and you know if you're talking about movie tie-in games it's not like the arkham games are movie tie-in games you know they're not tying into the versions of batman we've seen on on screen at all um and there are plenty of great marvel games to play right now you you know you mentioned the lego games which i guess aren't exactly what we're talking about when we're talking about marvel games but they give you a sense of playing those characters um i got to host the marvel heroes panel at comic con this year they're doing some really cool stuff. They relaunched their game uh, and you get to play some crazy Marvel heroes. There's some really deep, deep like B and C list heroes that don't usually get a lot of love that are in that game that you can play as. And that's kind of rad. Do I want the big triple a Marvel game? Yeah, I do. I mean, do what I want an awesome guardians of the galaxy game? Yes. Do I want an awesome Avengers game? Yes. Do I want, yeah, I would love to see those games, but I definitely agree with you, Christian, in the sense that 
I would rather them take their time and make great games. It doesn't, I don't need it to tie into the next Marvel movie that's coming out. I need it to be like Arkham where they're really good games. If they work on your PC (laughs) and, (laughs) and, uh, and you know, they, they do honor to the lore. Like they take those characters. I feel like I'm playing as those characters and the games aren't rushed to meet an arbitrary movie deadline. That's what I want. Yeah, I think that that's the that's the dream, right? Who who what? So, Jeff, if you had to pick a character team, one character or team, and one, you know, do the Hollywood pitch. It's Die Hard meets uh, Training Day. Like right. it's this game meets this, and what is the character or team that you your ideal AAA Marvel game would be? I you know I'm such a role playing fan that I would love them to figure out a way to do a a real Marvel role playing game like a some sort of, you know, Mass Effect with uh, with Guardians of the Galaxy would be rad or, you know, some sort of fun Avengers role-playing game where, you know, that's like, that even plays like Divinity Original Sin or Baldur's Gate or something and I have a, a team of, of Avengers and I can choose which team of Avengers I want to have in my team and they all have different powers that work together and, I mean, that the role-playing game is what I would want. I think that's the least likely scenario. I think what we're likely to get are are these action adventure games. And so if if I'm talking action adventure game, give me something that feels a lot like Infamous, you know, open world, fun, running around. I mean, that is I guess what the Arkham games are as well, but uh, Infamous felt the most like a superhero game that I would want to play that I have ever played. That, you know, Batman's a superhero, but he doesn't really have powers. This is like superpowers on a big scale. Infamous Second Son for me was like as close to that as I've ever felt. Yeah, I mean, like, that's such a great example, you know, uh, something like that. um, I would really love as well. I think when you take a look at characters, sometimes it's tough because a lot of Marvel's IPs have like these really like uh, large cast of characters. And sometimes that can be challenging to tackle um, from a video game development perspective. Obviously, Lego has done a really fantastic job with it. But I would really like to see like a reboot of Spider-Man. We've had some pretty great Spider-Man games in the past, um, but I think he's been kind of slipping a little bit in the last couple of years. I think it'd be really great to seeing some of the traversal, open world traversal that we've seen on this new generation of consoles, you know, from stuff like you mentioned with Infamous Second Son or to the traversal we saw in Sunset Overdrive um mm. to stuff that we saw in you know shadow of mordor like, i think that there's been some really fantastic m- mechanic things done and i want to like see that in a new spider-man game feel really powerful as a web slinger i think that'd be cool i mean because i'm never going to get the storm origin story game that i always want <laughs> <laughs> storm's origin you want uh, mohawk storm in full effect um yes <laughs> I think a game based on the Daredevil Netflix series would be pretty rad too. Um I mean that's not really oh, powers. Yeah. That would that's be that's awesome. very much a yeah, very much a, a Batman esque kind of situation. Uh AJ uh, excuse me, A. G. McLeod in the um chat brought up the Wolverine game that I also thought was a little underrated. Like people hated that game. I defended it back on back in the day on Weekend Confirmed, but um I I thought that game was pretty decent. People hated it, but I liked it. Well, the problem with that and the Captain America game is that they were the Coca-Cola or whatever, you know, the 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 Pepsi or whatever the 
are we were locks of of those games like that wolverine game was like it's like god of war if you squint on your head in captain america <laughs> it's like the arkham games which one that one so it's like this weird thing of it's the armani knockoff but oh you know if they could really do wolverine in god of war style and it was of the same quality that the god of war console games have been i think that'd be incredible uh, i think like a, a black widow splinter cell style game would be mm. awesome yeah. and for captain america i would i don't even want i wouldn't want a full arkham style clone i think captain america you know brawls and has that level of combat but i think cap is um more acrobatic than batman is in the arkham games where it's somehow you need to control it. It's almost the Prince of Persia reboot. I think it was just Prince of Persia where you're running on walls and, you know, they had no fail state. So that was weird. But the the fluidity of, of the motion and the combat, something like that, I think would serve a Captain America, how I like watching Captain America fight. I think it would be really cool if there was somehow you were chaining combos together. Like the animations in Arkham games are great. But when Batman jumps off a wall and punches somebody, I've only still only pushed one button. And I would love something a little more detailed than that for a cap game. Yeah. I mean, I think a Spider-Man game like Mirror's Edge or uh, Prince of Persia would be cool, too. Yeah. Uh, Well, hopefully this will happen. I mean, they're working on a Telltale game, which is an interesting take on Marvel. I mean, that very much fits into what Telltale does and what Marvel does, which is tell great stories. Um, So I'm, I'm very I have very high hopes for that, although it's interesting. We don't know yet which characters you have high hopes. Yeah, I can't have high hopes about anything Telltale does anymore. That's sad. Oh no, really? Why are you? Were you so disappointed by Borderlands? But, but listen, like they, they. I've talked about this on your guys' show before. Like they are so fantastic at storytelling and, and creating these original characters and storylines within developed IPs. Like that's a challenge in and of itself. And I think that they've done a really great job of that so far. I just like it's just so broken as a game goes. I've just been so mm. disappointed with the Game of Thrones series. The storytelling's mm. so good, but every time I boot up my console and I look at that game, it just makes my heart hurt a little bit. I really hope that with this with Minecraft story mode and with this new Marvel project that they are rebuilding their engine and actually going back to making it look like a game. Mm. Um so it's hard for me to be excited about anything they're doing now though. Like, come well, on, least, you could do better. I believe in you. <laughs> at least uh, making your heart hurt is consistent with the Game of Thrones universe. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, I guess. <laughs> um, before we get to my story of the week, uh, we do need to take a second and thank our first sponsor, which is Harry's. Harry's is your solution to a great shave. Shaving got expensive, shaving got inconvenient, and Harry's solved those problems. Anybody who's gone to the drugstore to buy uh, shaving equipment, a razor, shaving cream, anything, knows how annoying it is to have to unlock that case and open it up and get the clerk to come over. And then you're charged this insane amount of money for stuff that's disposable and doesn't even really look nice. It's not good. It's not high quality. Ah, it's a pain in in the butt. Harrys.com was started by two guys who are passionate about creating better shaving experiences. For all men, they deliver a superior shave. They have an, their own blade factory in Germany that has the highest quality blades and has been creating those blades for nearly a century. These guys went and found that factory and bought it and use it to create Harry's blades. 
And they cut out the middleman and offer an amazing shave at a fraction of the price of the drugstore. Their starter kit is just 15 bucks, and that includes a razor, three blades, and your choice of Harry's shave cream or for, for, foaming shave gel, he said effortlessly. Uh, and as an added bonus, you get five bucks off your first purchase if you use our promo code, which is DLC. That's so easy to remember. Just plug in DLC, you get five bucks off your first purchase, and that means you get your shave kit for ten bucks. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. Shipping is always free, so you don't have to worry about that. And they arrive in, in really cool, stylish boxes. Uh, Harry's is great. It will maintain your awesome shave, and you don't have to worry about all the junk involved in buying shaving equipment. So do it. Use our promo code DLC. All you have to do is go to harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. Use that promo code DLC, get five bucks off, and they know that it was a good idea to support our show, which is really, really great. Harrys.com, using that promo code DLC. Okay, guys, um, boy, I'm tempted to go with a couple of different stories as well, but mine, I... I am really excited by, you know, a lot of people saw this at E3. I did not get a chance to see this at E3. So Comic-Con was my first chance to see the new Transformers Devastation trailer in action. It has been released online now. Uh, This is the game from Platinum Games, the guys who did Bayonetta. And it is what I want from Transformers, what I have wanted from Transformers (laughs) since the fateful day that Michael Bay came in and redesigned them with, I don't know, the the stupidest redesign I can imagine. Transformers, the way I want them, the way I remember them, the way they were in my childhood. This is a video game based on the old cartoon series of the 80s that I grew up on. And it looks amazing. Oh my gosh, it looks amazing. I think I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. When I, when I was a kid, I uh, I saved up and I bought, I was actually already reviewing video games at that point. So it makes a little more sense, but I actually saved up and bought a 3DO, the ill-fated console 3DO. And one of the cool things about the 3DO was that it came with a disc. It was one of the first CD-based uh, input input consoles. And it came with a disc that had Batman the Animated Series episodes on it. And I remember putting that disc into my console. It was connected to my old CRT television because it was the Stone Ages. And watching a Batman animated series on a console, and I was like, oh my gosh, someday video games are going to look like cartoons, and it's going to be incredible. I'm going to be able to, it's going to be, I'm going to be able to control somebody, and it looks like someone drew it. That's what this is! The Transformers Devastation trailer, it's the cartoon come to life, and you control it, and it's amazing. And it has Constructicons in it, Devastator is is in it at the end of the trailer. Um, they all look like they're supposed to, they have the original voice cast. I am so excited for this game. I just hope, I know it's platinum games. So you think that the gameplay is going to hold up. Andrea, did you get a chance to see this at E3? Um, I got a chance to see the trailer. Yes. I heard some people actually got to see more gameplay at Comic-Con. I did not get that privilege, unfortunately. Um, I, I agree. I think it looks really great. I just have to say I'm a little... I'm a little hesitant after what happened with the legend of Korra. You know, it's like, I I think that platinum has obviously proven that they know how to make games. They know how to do slick, fast paced combat, but I need to see more before I become a believer. Well, I, 
I feel you on that. I'm, I suspect that this game is much more of a labor of love, uh, because there's nobody clamoring for like this, you know, 30 year old out of date <laughs> view of Transformers, <laughs> except me and oldies like me. I don't know. I'm hoping that this feels, I hope this is not just, you know, we need to do this IP and it's more like we want to do this IP and we want to make it right. Christian, what is your take? It looks beautiful. And yeah, Gen 1 Transformers will forever be Transformers in my bitter old heart. Um, the gameplay appears lackluster to me. It appears uh, an arena-based brawler, which I, I guess is fine, but that's kind of not how I want my Transformers. Like, just from seeing the trailer, it looks like you know, you're, you're in a city, but where you're fighting is Central Park or whatever, so there's not a lot. Of, I would love to be actually in the city. Like this is where I want that Man of Steel destruction experience, um, smashing through things, Hulk ultimate destruction, like that kind of brawler. I think would get me a little more excited. Maybe this game has it. Like I said, I haven't spent any time with it, but artistically beautiful. Platinum Games gives you a reason to be optimistic. Um, optimistic this, Prime. Hey, there we go. And a, a great <laughs> original voice talent. They said they're bringing in um, this game seems like a um, steam sale or black friday type pickup for me huh all right well we'll see i i I'm very encouraged i hope it's great and platinum games make some great games dudes if it's like bayonetta gameplay with transformers art and that really cool cel-shaded look ah i'm in i want that yeah no, the, the hopes are high but yeah. you know we've gotta gotta get our hands on it first that's true. That's true. But it says it's coming this year, so I'm sure we'll see more very soon. Um, I want to get your take on this other story, Andrea. We got news that uh, Jade Raymond is forming a new studio in Montreal and is going to be working with Amy Hennig and the folks at EA to create the that Star Wars, um, I guess you call it an adventure game. It's much more the Uncharted-esque Star Wars that Amy Hennig is is um, is helming. Um, this is pretty cool. Jade Raymond, of course, is the uh, designer famous for creating some of the biggest franchises in at Ubisoft. Um, she was in charge of um, Assassin's Creed Two and Watch Dogs and some other stuff. So she's forming this new studio. She's going to be working alongside EA and creating original products. But the first thing she's working on is this Star Wars project. This sounds awesome. Um, and you know, awesome that these two great female designers are are linking forces and and working on the biggest franchise in on the planet. What's your take, Andrea? I definitely think it's exciting. I mean, I know that there was a lot of speculation on where Jade would go after she left Ubisoft, and she left you know like a little while ago. So it's been pretty mum on what she has been working on. So finally, shed some light on the situation. We obviously we don't know anything about the project that Amy Hennig is working on other than that it's Star Wars related. You know, we don't know who it's going to be focused on, what type of game it is, what the scope of the project is. I mean, there's virtually no information out there. So this is hopefully a a catalyst for us to learn more or see more sometime in the near future. I don't think that we're probably going to learn anything new about this project in 2015. I would guess 2016 is the earliest that we're going to, hear more about what exactly she's working on. But um, interesting to see that, you know, she's teaming up with EA, you know, rival to Ubisoft. I would like to 
be a fly on the wall of, you know, those conversations and figure out, you know, what exactly she's going to be doing with them in the larger scope of things. But clearly her pedigree speaks for itself. So uh, exciting news. Yeah, I, you know, lack of information has never prevented me from speculating. So here we go. I'm going to speculate. I mean, if you take, if you take Amy Hennig, who has created Uncharted, and you take Jade Raymond, who has created story-based games like that, and, you know, um, Assassin's Creed, Watch Dogs, these big AAA, story-focused, lore-focused, world creation games. I'm very excited about what that could mean of the two of them joining forces. There is a chance that they could create something wildly different from what they've made in the past, but I think the chances are we're going to see a really interesting narrative-based Star Wars game that you know has great graphics, really detailed environments, and allows you to step into the shoes of a Star Wars character and not be solely focused on action, but be focused on sort of living in that world and being in that world, which has me extremely excited. Yeah, I I mean, I agree. I think it would be great. I think it'd be fun to speculate about what story they are going to tell because the Star Wars universe has so many amazing options. But I mean, I just, I need more. I need more information. I hope it's a new story. I want it to be, I don't want it to be, I don't want to be Han or Luke or Boba Fett or Chew. I don't, give me new. This, the universe is so big and so broad. I think that's why everybody got so excited when we saw anything about Star Wars 1313, which of course, this is not that game. But I think what made people excited about that is it felt like, oh, here's a corner of the universe that doesn't get talked about a lot. That, to me, is what they should be focusing on, on is, is expanding out the, the Star Wars universe, finding, give me a new character, give me new situations, find a corner of the galaxy that we haven't seen in the films or television shows or comic books, and make that the video game universe, or at least for this game's video game universe. Um, there's so much richness to be mined. I don't need to play as a Jedi I can play just make an interesting character, you know, and I think these creators are certainly capable of that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You're telling me two people that made things I've loved before working on a property that I currently love. Um, that's like adding ice cream to pie on top of a cookie. Like it's going to be good. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of pie, what kind of ice cream or what kind of cookie I, I'm, I'm not talking like in English, like not like, meat pie you know it's gonna be i'll take a meat pie i will take a meat pie with ice cream and cookie it's gonna be good whether it lived up to expectations that's on the person with the expectations right that's not on on the product i i think the other advantage of doing a, a new corner of the universe with of course celebrity cameos is it's just you can have the protagonist die amy has been known for wanting to kill off characters in the past, uh, allegedly, and, and putting people in tighter situations than um, handlers of major franchises would want her to. Uh, again, rumors. I don't know. I haven't had the conversation with her directly, but I love that. And I love that, you know, Luke, Luke, they can't kill, right? Young Luke, they can't kill. But young Brad, no one cares about young Brad. Brad. <laughs> he can die whenever Brad he Jedi. You, you've heard of me, right? Uh, my reputation <laughs> precedes me. My you name is Brad Jedi. Part. Jedi Brad. I mean, come on. Brad is just as good of a name as Luke. <laughs> I guess. They're just That's names. True. They're just names. It could be Jeff. They're just four letter names. It could it be whatever. Should be Jeff. <laughs> yeah. But it's going to be. Why would this not be 
something to be excited about. I, it's it's crazy. But the only the only reason to not be excited about it is will this suffer from um, Assassin's Creed syndrome, Arkham Origins syndrome? The oh great! By the time this game comes out, it's the seventeenth Star Wars game. At some point, we will hit that wall of you've heard the awesome realistic doo doo sound effect so many times that that alone isn't enough to get you jazzed. Um, and whether or not right. this game is that, I don't know. We are definitely going to. We are entering the era of all Star Wars all the time. So, yes, they, they, you make a good point. <laughs> um, all right, let's uh, let's get to the stuff that we have been playing. But first, I should thank our second sponsor. Oh, that is Squarespace, our old friend Squarespace. Oh man, I've been using Squarespace. For many, many years now, my own site, Jeff Kanata, was built, excuse me, jeffkanata.com, I should say, was built on Squarespace. And why? Oh, because I'm lazy and it's easy. <laughs> I want it to be the easiest thing I could ever do to make a website. And so that's why I turned to Squarespace. Squarespace lets you create beautiful websites, blogs, even online stores easily. And easily is not even a strong enough word. It is Great. They start with templates and then you can just drag and drop whatever you want. It's all what you see is what you get. Design. It's so simple to just create something unique, something that is perfect for what you need on the web. And you don't have any you don't need to have any coding experience. It's great. Your site is powered by state-of-the-art technology, and that provides security and stability. So not only are the tools easy to use, but that means that your site's not going to crash and it's secure. It's trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands on the planet. Also, it's inexpensive, and that's the key, too. You can try it for free and not even have to enter your credit card to try it, which is great. And then if you do decide to use the service, it starts at just 8 bucks a month, and you get a free domain name if you sign up for a year. So, what's in it for me, you ask? Well, how about 10% off? We'll give you 10% off just because you are a DLC listener by using our promo code. What's that promo code? Why, it's Jeff sent me. So go to squarespace.com slash DLC, input the promo code Jeff sent me. You'll get 10% off your first purchase and you'll show your support for our show. Create something beautiful. Create something unique to you. Squarespace.com slash DLC. That promo code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, you get 10% off. Thanks, Squarespace, and thank you for supporting the show. Uh, all right, guys, let's do it. Let's get to the playlist. Ooh, what you playing this week, tell us. Ooh, what you playing this week, tell us on the playlist. Andrea, what is on your playlist this week? Well, I have been playing Arkham Knight, as I mentioned earlier in the show. I got mm -hmm. to a point of the story where I'm at a, a roadblock because I mean, I went into a story mission not realizing that I was going to get kind of trapped into doing this story mission for X amount of time. And I'm at a Batmobile combat section that made me rage quit and I haven't picked it up since before Comic-Con. I'm going to try yeah, I know. I'm going to try to tackle it again sometime today once I work up the motivation. But um, I know people have split feelings about the Batmobile and the way it was implemented in Arkham Knight. And I have to say, like, I really loved it at first. I loved how it made me feel like I was in a Transformers game, being able to go switch 
from driving into combat mode very seamlessly. I liked some of the integrations, but I'm at a point now where it's like if I I haven't upgraded it to the level I think it needs to be upgraded at for me to make it through this mission. And so I'm pretty angry at the game right now, but I'll go back to it. But I'm also like 100% like sucked back in to Destiny. I've been playing Destiny almost every single day. And I don't know why, but I am. I just keep playing. I just keep playing it. I've actually got so, two characters, two other characters. I'm so excited to talk about Destiny with you because <laughs> it's that's a game that's huge. And and Christian and I, are, neither of us are playing it, and so it's good to have somebody on to talk about Destiny. But let's talk about Arkham Knight first because um, it's interesting to me. Christian, do you have any insight into this? Into her sort of rage quit? Like, I think are there I know peaks where and valleys? Is. I think I know where she is. Um, so there's the old Brian Leahy. Um, adage of try sucking less which is one but two (laughs) and we'll talk we'll talk after the show i think i know where you are and i don't want to spoil it uh in the show but i i would like to figure out where you are and i think i have a strategy for you that will work there are a few um difficult uh, appearingly difficult batmobile sections and and i believe where you are but i think i have some surefire surefire strategies i finished the story and i i I'm on the side of being perfectly okay with the Batmobile. I think if there was one third less Batmobile and instead of the AR missions, there were the traditional challenge maps and predator maps from the other games. Um, I think Arkham Knight would be my favorite uh, Arkham game of all time as is it's, it's a, it's a toss up. Um, but yeah, I, I understand what you're wrestling with Andrea, but I think, I think I can help. It's just a, um, it's a, a difficulty spike that comes out of nowhere initially. I can I can relate a little bit. I've played a, a heck of a lot less of the game than you guys have, but uh, I literally, you know, started the game, played the beginning, was into it, was digging it. Yeah, let's do this. First time, it's like, here's the radio menu. Select which missions you want to do. Oh, maybe I'll go try a Riddler challenge. Awesome. Drive to the Riddler challenge. Okay, cool. Three laps. Here we go. Let's do this. One lap down, two, second lap down, third lap, fail. Third lap, <laughs> fell into the water. Third lap, the, okay, here's the thing. Oh, not enough time. Okay, third lap, here we go. All right, I'm getting, oh, nope. Oh, I, I can already tell I'm not going to have enough time because last time when I was at this point and I, that was the amount of time that was on the timer, I didn't get there. Okay, well, can I just start over? No, I got to finish the finish the race before I can start over again. Okay, here we go. Okay, I'm back to the start. Okay, here we go. All right, third lap. Oh, I fell into the freaking water again. This game is stupid. <laughs> that was that was my and that's the first riddler challenge by the way that jeff's talking the about. first yes <laughs> the first one and literally the first mission i chose to do in the game so i was like uh, leave yeah. the leave the hinterlands jeff i know i know leave the hinterlands but that, andrea are you uh a, a batman comics fan how well versed are you and again, I'm, I will not spoil anything here, listeners. Um, how how versed are you in Batman comic lore and history? I am not a Batman comics uh, reader. I don't want to say I'm not a fan. I've always loved the Batman character and I've read a bunch of different uh, types of Batman IP and seen a lot of movies and other TV shows or whatever. But I'm not like a Batman fanatic. Like I don't know like the intricacies of what characters appeared in the story when, which I thought was, it was a really nice touch for Rocksteady to add in all of those 
bios of every character you meet to be like, not only this is the name of this character, or these are the details about who they are, but this is when they first appeared in the comic series. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really nice, especially for people like me who didn't read all the comics. Cause I mean, he's been around for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, try not to spoil anything. I'm curious then how you found the story to me i'm a lifelong batman comic book fan and i certainly haven't read everything like you said there's a gazillion uh books out but i almost feel like the story i loved it and i think it's incredible but it's this weird i think it exists outside of space and time even outside of the timeline the arkham games created because there are characters that i don't know when Batman would have had this close relationship with them based on they're not mentioned in other games or they're loose or they're whatever. But if I just kind of get rid of that stuff and I just kind of play like this is almost a greatest hits of Batman all happening in one night and the emotional feels are based on my knowledge from comic books and little cameos and and looks that characters take on and, and dialogue, throwaway lines have meaning for me. Like it was awesome and I loved it. But I'm curious... Does it mean anything to you? Are you enjoying it? Or is it um, awesome, not awesome? Where's the story for you so far? I think so far the story has been very compelling and engaging. I mean, there's been some twists and turns. I I think, you know, what they're doing. Um, I, I don't know. See, I'm trying not to say anything and have it be spoilery. Um, but um, I don't think it's spoilery for me to say what they're doing with the Joker I thought was really interesting um, and unexpected. Um, and some of the you know scenes have been a really nice touch. I, I, I really like it so far. I don't know. It's hard for me to know exactly how far along I am in the main story, but my completion right now, according to the menu, is like around 50%. Um, I, I've been enjoying it. I've heard from other people that they really liked the Batman story. Obviously it scored very well. It got a lot of perfect scores from a lot of different kinds of outlets, but it also got really bad scores from some people too. It's, it's hard to tell. It's hard to put a, a number on something that's so subjective as far as story goes. I mean, mechanically we could argue back and forth all day about, you know, how the game plays. But story-wise, it's all about if it impacts you or not. And it's so far, I've been impressed. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, I agree. We can wrestle with whether or not the story... And people in the chat are saying, really, the story... You can see all the twists and turns coming from a mile away. Yeah, I also could, but I still enjoyed seeing it. I think they did some really cool visual stuff with some of the reveals um, in the game. And then I figured out, Jeff, I had... You know, we had talked to before about my problem with open world games, and I figured out I've defined that a little better. A game like Arkham Knight or Arkham City or or Infamous, the open worldiness, rinse, repeat missions in those games feel better to me because as a superhero, the missions you're doing for the most part fit that character, whereas my problem with the Rockstar open world games is that you define this character, they define the character so well in those games. And then you're doing a side mission of driving an ambulance and taking people to the hospital, which doesn't fit that character. Whereas in Arkham Knight, my side mission is, you know, stopping X supervillain. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh, right. In Spider-Man, it was mm-hmm. weird. 
where you were collecting balloons. That doesn't make sense. So I think for me to embrace That's deep this, Spidey lore, man. He's a <laughs> big balloon enthusiast. 99 red balloons really hit for him uh, back yeah. in the day. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's funny. For me, though, these side missions need to somehow be true to the character's core. And I think that's why for Rockstar, the closest one for me was Red Dead, where you are a surviving survivalist in the wilderness. You will go skin beer, beer, <laughs> skin deer or whatever. Um, anyway, so that's for if people had seen me saying that I enjoyed the side missions in Arkham Knight uh, on Twitter, that's hopefully explaining why. I feel like they fit within that universe. I think you I think you hit on a really good point there. I think a lot of open world games, when they say side missions, they mean, okay, this is where you can take our world and play it like a video game. We're gonna we're gonna take our we've built this world out. We have this really interesting story in it, but also there's room in there to have real video gamey type experiences. We understand there's systems that we can build in like, you know, taxi cab missions or ambulance missions or whatever to kill a thousand this or discover a thousand those. Those things are like, well, we have this this playground that we built and we can make stuff that's real video gamey. Why don't we? Uh, and that seems like a departure from the, you know, the the story and narrative aspects of of being in that world for the main game. And I think you make an interesting point that perhaps that is detrimental to the overall experience, but it, it feels like a wasted opportunity if they don't have that stuff. Right. I mean, maybe there's a way to make it more integrated into the story as, as Batman shows. I don't know. I think it's, it's mini games versus side missions almost. And for me, something like uh, saints row three or saints row four, I'm okay with it in that because the story in that, yeah, there's a story, but there's also just like go flipping crazy. (laughs) And so you're going to shoot, poop on people's houses of course i'm going to shoot poop on people's houses it's saints row 2 or whatever but i think rockstar has gotten so good now at telling this really cool compelling story with these awesome animated and voiced characters but they're still putting um grand theft auto 2 drive the ambulance missions around like legacy side missions that it's it's jarring the disconnect Uh, so i i think you can have it somehow but maybe Uh, Maybe that's what they tried to do with GTA Online and GTA 5, like create a side area, a sandbox mode like um, Disney Infinity does, where it's just like, go play with stuff. I don't know. I don't have the answers. I only have uh, mild questions. I have questions. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's talk a little bit then about about Destiny, because people are still into it. There's excitement about the Taken King expansion. Um, And we haven't really had anybody on the show that has that deep addiction to Destiny that it sounds like you have, Andrea. So I know a lot of people have it. So explain to me why you have it. I have it because first and foremost, Bungie has made a really polished shooter as they are known for making. I think at the end of the day, when you talk about like an MMO experience, the mechanics need to be solid because otherwise you're never going to put thousands of hours potentially into a game if every time you boot it up to play it, whether you're playing on a PC or playing on console, like the mechanics are broken, right? So that is like the foundation for the addiction is that the shooting is solid. Like the guns are really well designed. There's a lot of different types of guns. I really like the character classes that they have created. It takes a long time to really find the intricacies of each of the different subclasses for the three different um, characters that you can choose from, but once you have played with them, you know, consistently over 
hundreds of hours, you really find, you know, like kind of like what your favorite one is. And I think most importantly, it's, I play because I have a group of friends that I play with. Obviously it's an MMO type online cooperative game. So you play with people and you play with friends and you meet people through Destiny. Some of the people that I've been spending a lot of time playing with recently, I actually met when I did my Operation Supply Drop 8-Bit Salute stream back in May, which was really cool. You know, maybe I would never have played Destiny with them if they hadn't been watching my stream that day. And it's like that idea that playing online with people connects you in a way that maybe you never would have been connected before. And sure, is the game repetitive? Absolutely. Do I do a lot of the same missions over and over again? Definitely. But I keep coming back to it because the experience is different depending on who I'm playing with. Am I playing with my hunter today or am I going to play with my warlock or my titan today? Am I going to play with this certain set of armor and this certain set of weapons or am I going to try to level up a weapon that I don't normally play with? I mean, there's a lot of variation um, in the game and they've made a lot of changes that have made the experience better. Was it a perfect game at launch or the best game at launch? Absolutely not. But I mean, look at the difference between year one of Warcraft and to where it is today. You know, like that evolution of where that game went was dramatic. And I think that Activision has that vision for Destiny and, and Bungie has that vision for Destiny. And I'm excited to see where they take it. I think that, you know, there's a lot of controversy, of course, about what they did with the Taken King. And I think that they made the right call by addressing it head on and saying, we're going to make it right. You know, we want to make sure people that have sunk a lot of money into the game and have spent, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of hours in the game, you know, we do right by them. And I'm, but I'm just really excited to play more stuff and keep playing it and level up all three of my characters to get them all to 34 before Tiffany King comes out. I don't know if I'm going to make it, but I'm going to try. Hmm. <laughs> but I don't know. Well, I, you know I love it. I, I think, I think I get it. You know, I, I certainly understand the playing with friends is fun. I certainly understand the shooting stuff with friends is fun. That's all I, you know, I'm, I'm not really a first person shootery guy anymore. I used to be much more than I am now, but uh, what I get most about it is the, the formula of, Hey, doing this activity is really fun and repetition isn't fun, but repetition becomes desirable when you have little treasures to be gained when you have little prizes when you have a little slot machine that'll give you something it makes the the whole thing worthwhile i get that i put a a lot of hours i think i put 200 hours into diablo 3 i put you know hundreds of hours into world of warcraft i get the it's fun to be with my friends doing something that is relatively repetitive and kind of from the outside may not look as fun as as other things but when you add in the element of hey i can get something for my time and i'm still spending the time with my friends i understand that my my only issue is you know i raved and raved about uh destiny when i played the beta i thought the beta was spectacular because i imagined where they were gonna go with all of it and I think my imagination for where it, I thought that was just a, a tiny piece of a much bigger hole. And it seems like the much bigger hole hasn't fully been realized. Like, you know, you, you hop on your, your speeder, your land speeder the first time. And I went, Oh my gosh, this is a loot game. I'm going to loot all kinds of different vehicles. 
oh my gosh, this is a loot game. I'm going to be going to all kinds of different places and doing all kinds of different things. And it feels to me like that that promise hasn't really been fulfilled. Um, I understand the raids are really fun. I haven't really experienced them. People keep telling me I would love the raids if I did them. But it just it feels like it's it's only partially what they promised. Do you have a sense of that or 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 no? Um I think that you are correct in saying that. I definitely wish that the worlds were larger that we got to experience more like areas different maps things like that. I would love to have like a session where I could sit down with part of the development team and really get their honest thoughts of like from a game design perspective, how difficult it is to add new worlds. Um, I don't know like when you take into account the shooting mechanics and the public events that they do and how like when you're in a story mission, that story mission actually takes place in the public space. So you can stop your story mission and go and join in a public event in the middle of a story mission. Like I don't know how that mechanic would work in another environment or how long that takes to develop. I would be interested to know about that. That's not an excuse, Mm -hmm. mind you, because as someone who plays a lot of Destiny, I want more stuff to do, more stuff to go loot, because I got to a point where I hit the wall, essentially, of how much I could do. Even with my level 34 character, like I can still, you know, run the prison of elders with a different group of people and, you know, and get another weapon core, get another armor core, try to, you know, outfit my character with different gear. But now for me to keep playing Destiny, I had to start other characters and start leveling up those other characters in order for me to have stuff to do. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it lets me experience the game from a different perspective, but. Not everybody has that kind of time and, you know, people, some people want, you know, more for less. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. You have any take on this, Christian? I think it's a a victim of our expectations. I think you were foolish for thinking that the beta, Jeff, is a fraction of what the big game was going to be, the beta coming out. So, and I don't mean that, I'm not trying to be like a jerk, like, you idiot, (laughs) um, but it, no, that was the game, right? That was a little, that, that they gave us the game. People were like, oh my God, when the full game comes out, I bet there's going to be space combat. It's like, no, no, no. You're going to be doing what you just did, dude. It's That's the beta of the game. This isn't Star Citizen. You aren't walking around your spaceship and the real game's going to come out 40 years and $84 million later. Like that's the game. And so I think it's our expectations where I, you know, take the ruler and pop uh, Bungie on the, on the hand in my, I'm wearing a nun. I got to paint the scene there. We're in class, right? I'm in a nun outfit and Bungie has their hands on the desk and they shouldn't. And my pop is, um, I don't know what their personal expectations were or how much Activision after they kind of talked the first few times, Activision was like, Whoa, Whoa, Bungie. Nope. You're not going to do that. Cause I mean, these early trailers show the, like some of the very, very first trailers showed areas of the game that weren't in the game. And I think that Bungie maybe thought the game was going to be bigger and cooler and more awesome than, it was going to be, or they, you know, believed their own hype kind of thing, right? People are like, this game's going to be incredible. And then they started saying it over and over again. And then they're kind of just cheerleaders out there and they're not trying to mislead you, but they're just so excited about the thing and the experiences they had. And then people take it and it becomes a game of telephone. And then Jeff, when you play the beta, you're like, and there's going to be so much more. And, and there's not, it's a really, really well-made, executed, wildly successful new IP that launched across four consoles without any 
major technical hiccups. I think it's a huge success. Well, I mean, there's no doubt it's a success. Um, yeah, I, it's going to be interesting to see if if what comes next is a numbered sequel that does things differently, or if they keep building and iterating on this world. I I just you know I interviewed some of the developers at E3 for Taken King, and I kept saying, you know, what else? What what else is this thing? And it's like, well, it's more of the stuff that you like. It's more of the things that you do. And it's like, well, okay, but it would wouldn't it be cool if there was new things to do and different stuff that I don't know that I like yet? I don't know. Um, I guess maybe that's comes from a unfair place in a sense, because I already feel I'm not, I'm like not the choir the that they're preaching to. Yeah. yeah like, this is I mean, I did, I did, like I enjoyed, I enjoyed playing it. It just, the hook didn't land for me because I, I felt like there wasn't enough variety there to, to make, I, uh, getting a better gun didn't make me feel better. Uh, as much as it did in, say, <laughs> Borderlands. Like, a different gun in Borderlands is a wildly different experience, yeah, right? Yeah, probably because you never got some of the high-level guns or the exotic guns that you get when you finally cross that, like, level 28 threshold and you're in the upper upper levels of the game. And I, and I know that there's the argument to be made, well, should you have to spend, you know, 50 hours in a game before you're hooked into it? You know, mm-hmm. like, and that's a conversation for another time. But I, I think... You know, what they did with the House of Wolves expansion really helped to diversify gameplay. Adding the Prison of Elders was much needed, giving, you know, this kind of wave-based cooperative thing where you can get this really high-level loot and you're guaranteed an exotic the first time you do it. And, you know, you have these side missions where you have to go and collect keys in order to open the big loot chest. Like, I really liked what they did with that. Um, I, I really liked also, like, the way that they've added, you know, the trials of Osiris for PvP fans, you really have to be, you know, a hardcore PvP person to be successful in trials. But the fact that they've added something to the PvP experience as well, and I am not a PvP player, but when the Iron Banner comes around, I play PvP because they've, you know, incentivized me that I want to up my rank, you know, my um, iron banner rings that can buy, you know, the etheric light or the shaders or the guns that you could only get through those experiences. And I think they're, they keep making them better and better. And now that they've added this thing for year one players, which is really cool, the moments of triumph, which are these iconic achievements that you unlock throughout the game, like playing the raid on both of the raids on hard or collecting all of the golden chests. Things like that. Like I think that that incentivizes players to go back and you know keep playing and keep trying new stuff. I mean, listen, it's not for everybody. It most certainly right. isn't. And I'm not going to defend you know their missteps because has there been some? Absolutely. But for me, the bottom line is it's a solid shooter experience. I've never played an MMO in my life. Like I just don't play them. They're not for me generally. But this one got me, and I love playing with my friends, and I'm going to continue to love playing it. So. Well, now you understand what I've been talking about all these years <laughs> about being hooked on one game. I get it. I um, get it, Jeff. <laughs> and I love that. I love all that stuff you you mentioned. I I just wish the road to that place was had more stuff to do. It wasn't wasn't so uh just keep doing that stuff over and over. I wish they had there was just more content there to lead you down the road of getting to the high level end game stuff. I think it would be you know, if it was a much more robust world, if I cared about the story, if it felt like this big experience that led to an end game that was another big experience, yes, that's a lot to ask, but 
but I love the fact that people are digging it. And I love hearing you talk about it too, Andrea, because like you said, you know, you've never had that MMO experience that I, I cherish so much. So, you know, awesome. I, I'm thumbs up. So if, if people are digging it, by all means, dig it. Um, Christian, did you have anything on your playlist other than Batman? Uh, there's a game called On a Roll that was a Kickstarter game. I am a backer. Uh, full disclosure, it is a inline skating game, aggressive inline skating, rollerblading game, um, more in the vein of skate than uh, um, Tony Hawk type of game. And one, I mean, it's preaching to the choir, right? I, I skated competitively. I was very good when I was in high school and on teams and stuff like that. But uh, this game just kind of caught my attention because it was a rollerblading game done in the style of skate. We haven't really had any since aggressive inline for the GameCube era. And that was more of a Tony Hawk game. But according to the Kickstarter, which is fully funded, I didn't talk about it beforehand, not trying to get people to throw their money away like I potentially did with mine. I'm very aware of the risks. But for a game that was allegedly made by one person up to this pre-alpha state, um, I am I am blown away by it. When the Kickstarter closed, he sent out his that pre-alpha that he had taken to a few conventions around Europe. And I mean... He says up front, you know, it's buggy. It has problems. I know I'm aware of this. But still, um, the things that people can do these days, you guys, I, <laughs> not to sound uh, like, a, like a kid getting high for the first time maybe or whatever, but it's, it's incredible. The, the, the passion projects, the things that people can do, the super meat and, um, you know, the, the small teams that make amazing things. This game is called On a Roll. It's a rollerblading game. And I'm just, been, you know, messing around with the, with the, the alpha and it's beautiful and fun and exciting in all the ways that I love about video games. And so I think it's nice time to time to see, hopefully the full game comes out. He says he's doing console versions as well. Seemed upfront about what the money would be used for. I like when, you know, there's some positive stuff coming out of Kickstarter space or games like Shenmue 3 where, you know, there wasn't enough interest to really get made. But say whatever you want about the Sony unveiling the Kickstarter on their stage. But a rollerblading game isn't going to be published by Activision, right? Like there's, there's not the interest there, but for a nerd like me and a couple other nerds out there that, that still love that scene. Um, I'm so excited that I get to play this game. I love, I love video games today, Jeff. It's incredible. Well, that's going to lead us right to our, our listener question. But again, that game is called on a roll. On uh, a roll. Yeah. Uh, which is also the game. I was the sequel to uh, bread that I was working on. Uh, anybody? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, the prequel was croissant. <laughs> uh, all right. So um, we introduced this new segment last week, and I'm, I'm excited that we've been getting questions uh, from you guys. We're doing Q's and A's. So send in your Q's. Uh, you can do that to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We're going to do a, Q, a Q's and A's segment every episode, I hope, if you guys keep sending questions. So uh, this question is one that I didn't really want to address, but... I got several people get, sending in variations on the same theme. And so I figured we might talk about it. Uh, we don't have to go too crazy on it, but it's something that's disturbing to me. And I, I want to read this. This is from uh, Neil from Ontario, Canada in Peterborough. Uh, he says, uh, guys, I've been growing increasingly cynical since the start of the last gen when I bought a copy of Folklore and found there was already DLC available to buy when I bought the game. I gradually bought less and less games uh, he means to say fewer and fewer games new last gen because uh, there was so much DLC thrown into the games that just didn't need it. On top of that, we get increasingly broken games. 
Now we've got locked content on the disc with every Nintendo game that you need to buy Amiibos to view, as well as the regular DLC. It's even in 3DS games. On top of that, we've got more and more games going straight up digital, and he's a collector, he says. I'm a collector in the sense that he likes owning physical copies of games and doesn't buy digital. My outlook on the future of gaming is frankly bleak. I will not embrace the all-digital future and refuse to even back Shenmue 3, one of my most wanted games, until I knew there was going to be a physical copy for PS4. So guys, I know you don't like cynicism on DLC, but I really look at the future of gaming and just alternate between angry and depressed. I could use some curing of my cynicism. Please help. Andrea, you want to... You want to give this guy a a, a rainbow shot of positivity? <laughs> I'm with you. I also am a collector of games. I do not enjoy buying digitally. There's a whole host of reasons for that. So we could high five as having a, a lot of cases on our shelves around our TV. So good for you. I also like buying um, physical. I I think that now is the best time to be a gamer in the history of the video games industry. We here, have. Here. We had arguably the best E3 that has ever happened in all of the years that E3 has been going on. We had major, big AAA releases and announcements, really cool stuff coming both from franchises that we know and new IP. Mobile development is this really exciting place where we're getting better and better mobile games because companies like NVIDIA keep making higher quality processing chips. So these mobile devices can do more powerful processing and have better gaming experiences like in our hands and on the go. The handheld market, despite what some people may say about, you know, the three yes or the Vita, like the gains just keep coming for both of those devices. So whether you want to be playing on your 3DS and doing street passing or using remote play on your Vita with your PS4, which is a really cool functionality. That's really awesome. And then, of course, the exciting upcoming world of virtual reality. The things we saw from from Oculus and the things coming for Morpheus and, you know, even the far distant future of HoloLens. I mean, there's like if you are thinking the future of gaming is bleak right now, my friend, you just aren't paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here. Uh (laughs) I, you know, I, I would like to point out, I'm not the one who brought up VR this time. So uh, there's that. Um, yeah, Christian, you want to, you were, you were kind of talking about this just a second ago. You love gaming. Let's, uh, let's de-cynicize this guy. Do it. Plug out of, unplug from mainstream gaming journalism. And I know I'm saying that as you're listening to what I would consider, you know, I don't consider us not a mainstream gaming podcast. I mean, we often we have talked about Arkham Knight three weeks in a row. I love that game. But step outside of that. Step outside of, of what you're comfortable in. Um, Assassin's Creed, the last one not having women characters. Like, There's so much cynicism and snark to be found in this stuff, but just walk away from it. If you find yourself on Gaff or pick your website, it doesn't matter. Quit going there and, and find the games that you love and the communities that support them. I mean, Andrea is hundreds of hours, I'm guessing, into Destiny and has loved every minute of it. And if you want to love Destiny, find your Andrea. Find your group of friends that are like that and have the best time ever. Um, Jeff has almost ruined his marriage every day with Heroes of the Storm, but he's such a happier person because of that. I didn't bring that. it up. I didn't bring it up at all this episode. I didn't, didn't even mention it. it. Didn't mention what? Nothing. Uh, well, well done, sir. Um, and I think 
you know, it's so easy to look at things from, look at the forest and be like, everything sucks. Uh, Street Fighter 4 was broken on the PS4. Arkham Knight's broken on the PC. And that's true. And and we should shame those people and those companies. They deserve to be lectured and ridiculed for the missteps. Drive Club, PS Plus, what a disaster. Um, but there's so much awesome. And, and you can find your community. You can go to Evo if you're into fighting games and and it's incredible. Um, whatever the, the Battle of the Dorm for Heroes, there's still QuakeCon. There's a con named after a game that hasn't come out probably since you've been born. Like, <laughs> it's there's so much awesome. There's Ori, there's Ollie Ollie, there's Hotline Miami, there's a story of my, about my uncle, there's a game where you swim around in a boat in the sea and all you do is die. There's so much awesome stuff that's only possible because of where we are um, today with technology and, and for better or worse, our hobby uh, will always be around technology. And if you hate all of that, I got an 8-Bito, 8-Bito, I don't know how you say the company's name, Bluetooth wireless Nest 30 controller yesterday to, and I have it synced to my Retron and it's incredible. And I've been playing Aladdin on the Genesis and it's so much fun. Like right now to be jaded in gaming right now, you're just over gaming which is fine. Move on. Do something else with your life. But every game that's ever existed is still playable largely. And all these incredibly wild and crazy new types of games are available now that weren't before, where a game like On a Roll is an inline game being made at the same time Shovel Knight exists and can be played on a 3DS. Um, This is the best time for gaming that there's ever been. And so if you feel like you're getting jaded, um, step away and and don't repeat the the snarky echoes rattling throughout the internet and find the thing that you love and hold on to it and never let go. Yeah, you guys make great points. I would like to, you know, as as you guys were saying, there is something for every uh, a butt for every seat, right? There is there is a literally a game for any potential taste you might have in the in the which has never been the case ever before. There's so much variety and so many games coming out. That's that's awesome. But I think what he speaks to specifically with his email is value for dollar, right? He talks about feeling like, oh, there's this DLC and everything's, yeah, I'm buying things that are already on the disc and I'm buying things. Toward. Okay, fair enough. Uh, you make some decent points and none none of that is untrue. Yes, broken games are coming out. There are some some things to be concerned about. But ha- there has never been a time where you can get more for less than right now. There is so many great free-to-play games. There are so many, and, and really truly free-to-play, not just milk you out of money free-to-play. Um, one, The game that's on my playlist this week, which is why I kind of segued right into this email, is uh, is an example of one that was one of my favorite games of 2013 and now just got released on Steam, and that is Card Hunter. Could not recommend that game higher. Uh, it just came out on Steam. It is free to download. Yes, you can pay money to level up faster. Yes, you can pay money to unlock certain other parts of the game, uh, other quests. Uh, so there are ways for them to monetize, but f- by and large, the entire game is free. And it's spectacular. It's this wonderful mashup of uh, being sitting at a tabletop role-playing game and a cool deck-building game. And, you, and, and loot. When you get loot in the game the the sword or axe or shield or whatever piece of a uh, hat <laughs> whatever piece of loot you get gives you actual new cards for your deck that changes the way your character can can play it is such a phenomenally clever system uh and it's completely free this isn't just one example of games that you can play now and and everybody in the chat room was talking about steam sales what a wonderful way to be able to have your hobby 
uh, at a very inexpensive price. As I think Christian make a, made a great point. Retract from having to play everything that just comes out. Retract from having to be right on the the pulse of of you know the, the broken game that just was released. Play things a little older, and you're gonna have a great time. All right. So that was uh, that was our Q and A segment for this week. Uh, I do need to thank our final sponsor, which is Cashfly. Bandwidth for this show has been provided by Cashfly, which is the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of your content, this everything you listen to on 5x5, including DLC, and they really are the best. And also now through July 31st, they're offering a pay-as-you-can-go CDN plan. So you pay only for what you use for the life of your account. That offer ends July 30, uh, 31st excuse me, and is for new customers only. So go and sign up now and you get two terabytes and a 14-day free trial, and pay-as-you-go for the lifetime of your account. So just go to cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com, and let them know you heard about this on the 5x5 network. Um, okay, guys. Again, if you want to send in a question for our Qs and As, send that to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. But right now, before we end, we got to carve out a little bit of tabletop time. Telling you guys, I jumped back into Card Hunter. It is so great. You guys, ugh, you should play it. It's so great. It's such an underrated game. Uh, Andrea, I'm so excited that you are here because you got to play test a new game from a new tabletop game from the creators of Cards Against Humanity. Tell yeah, me more. So, tell me more. Um, so Max Temkin, who um, created Cards Against Humanity, kind of has a game incubator where he uh, invites friends and friends of friends to come to his Chicago um, studio and work on their games. And he worked, he's the producer and he worked with two guys, Tommy Romaranges and Mike Foxletter. I don't know if I'm saying their names exactly correct. So I apologize um, if I mispronounced their last names, but they are the co-creators of this new game called secret Hitler. So <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, secret Hitler. Um, some people have compared it to werewolf. Did you guys ever play that game? Sure. Yes. Yeah. One night ultimate werewolf. Yeah. So it's um it, it's very um similar in the way that you know it's a it's a ten person game. So you sit down and every person is given a little envelope, and in the envelope it gives you your identity card, your party membership card, and then uh, two voting cards, uh, a yes card and a no card. So you are either going to be a liberal or you're going to be a fascist in the game, and one person has the identity of being Hitler. And of course, you keep your identity secret uh, and you keep your party membership secret. And the goal of the game is to vote in either a liberal or a fascist government. Obviously, if you are liberal, you want to vote in the liberal government. And if you're a fascist, you want it to be fascist. Hitler, of course, is trying to just overthrow uh, the liberals and, and help the fascists win. So it's a really interesting game where you um, one person starts out as the president and the president then selects someone to be their chancellor. And then everybody on the group votes on if we want these two people to form a government. As the president, if your government gets voted in, yes, you get to pass a law. The first group to pass five liberal or five fascist laws, their government wins. And so the whole idea is trying to figure out who are the liberals at the table and who are the fascists. At the very beginning of the game, 
the fascists all open their eyes so they can see each other, but the liberals have no idea who they are. Um, and so they obviously know who all the liberals are. This is kind of back and forth of figuring out like who's playing who because you vote on government and you don't have to be honest, you know, when you're talking about which cards you get because you are given three, the president draws three cards and then discards are three cards and each of those cards is a potential lot like fascist or liberal laws and um, they discard one and hand the other two to their chancellor and then the chancellor picks one of the laws to pass so it's like well if you hand your chancellor one fascist law or one liberal law you know they have to decide which one so you can kind of tell oh well if this person passed a liberal law they're probably a liberal but mm -hmm. are they do you right. know for sure if they are in the game that I played, the person who ended up being the secret Hitler was passing liberal laws to kind of like throw people off his trail. Classic so, secret Hitler. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a really interesting back and forth, especially if you're playing with people that you aren't familiar with. It's hard to tell, like, are they tricking you or are they not tricking you? I, you know, I don't know how I feel about games where you have to lie to people. I don't know if i like that i'm still on the fence about it i think you know playing <laughs> a game like resistance you know it kind of has those themes and undertones like who's lying and who's telling the truth but right. it was um it was interesting when i was talking to max about it he had said well we don't know if we're actually going to be able to call it secret hitler <laughs> <laughs> because some people may get upset about the fact that we're calling it hitler and it's about you know voting in fascism but <laughs> it was um it was interesting it was um, it was fun but i mean obviously getting 10 people together is the challenge right so it doesn't play with any less than 10 um not that i'm aware of no oh, so wow. when we when we played max said it's a 10 person player game wow so. oh wow it sounds like it could scale down uh, to have fewer but um yeah it definitely sounds a lot like the resistance which is a game that I love, but definitely can <laughs> result in some arguments to say the least. I mean, when you have, like you said, when you have any game where you're lying to people, which let's be honest, is a, a very, uh, a, a very well represented genre in tabletop gaming is the lie to your friend's face games. Um, but, uh, yeah, and they're not for everybody. You know, he's like, you don't kind of don't want to play with, with, with certain people, but, uh, you will you will tick people off when you're like you you get them to trust you and then at the end of the game you reveal you were uh, in this case secret Hitler. Um, that's I guess that's even worse when you're like at least at least in this game when you reveal that you have been a traitor all along people are like you're Hitler and it's like well yeah I actually am I am Hitler <laughs> you're as bad as Hitler. Um, that's pretty funny. I've had many games of resistance that ended uh, with shock and and anger and confusion <laughs> um in fact you know when you get your roles in that game I, I always you know you either find out whether you're a, a good guy or a bad guy and i always have this relief when i'm a good guy because it's like oh god at least i don't have to lie at least i can just completely be telling the truth the whole time because there's that weird pressure when you when you when you realize i'm going to be lying to my friend's face for the next half an hour Ugh, how is that different than this well. show hey -oh! Boom boom, oh. boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's, I guess it's not different at all, Christian. I'm lying, lying to your face constantly right now. Um, yeah. Did you ever play resistance with us, Christian? 
Yeah, well, do you remember I had people over at my house and we played it in his house? Yeah. Oh, right. At your old house. Mm-hmm. That was a and that was a while ago. Every time someone thought Jeff was lying, he pulled out a real life gun and put it next to our heads <laughs> and said, "Am I lying now, punk?" I don't, that's not like, that's not something I would do. Come on. And then you got a new gun and it made you feel cool. I don't know. Something about like upgrading guns is important to you. It was a weird day. <laughs> <laughs> I like Purple I Hydro drive. in the chat said Jeff would make a terrible Hitler. I, I take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> as you should. <laughs> um, in, in Jeff's, in Jeff's uh, fascist world, everything would be awesome and he'd love everybody. Uh, that doesn't sound like so, it's a, such bad fascism. Get on that, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> this is a game. This is a game in which everyone gets along. And smiles at each other, and, and it makes the world a better place. That's 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 my game. It sold zero copies. <laughs> Hate it already. Um, I was going to talk about a game, but I'll I'll save that for next week because we're already running long. Uh, so you have something to look forward to in the tabletop time segment. So Andrea, are they? Do they have a release window for for Secret Hitler or whatever it ends up being called? Um, no, not as of yet. They're still doing uh, playtesting, uh, trying to figure out the right balance between how many players start out the game being liberals and how many start out being fascist. When we played, only three of the ten players were fascist, one of those mm-hmm. including Hitler. So, um, you know, it's like the balance of like, you know, how does it affect gameplay? How many liberal laws are in the deck? How many fascist laws and the fascists actually have powers when they vote laws in they get like powers like the first power that they get is that the person who votes in the first fascist law gets to point to one person and force them to show him their party membership mm-hmm. um so you can like the fascists can slowly try to figure out like who the other fascists are um they say, so show me your papers you must show me your papers right exactly. now Exactly. So yeah, no, I don't. I don't have any details on on release, so because they're still playtesting. But if I get any info, I'll let you know. Follow me on Twitter, and I will tweet about it. It definitely does sound like their kind of sense of humor of like right on the edge of taste. <laughs> <laughs> sounds yeah. fun. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we do have a parting gift coming up for you, so stay tuned for that. But uh, this is the wrap up portion of the show. We're at the end. Andrea, you're the best. Thanks for coming by again. We always love having you on the show. Um, Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Gosh, you're you're one of our faves. Um, Tell people where they can find your stuff this week. Uh, Following me on Twitter, as I mentioned, is the best place. It's where I'm the most active on posting stuff, at Andrea Renee. Um, I had the awesome honor of working with Xbox at Comic-Con, so we'll have some Videos produced by I Am 8-Bit that will be going up on the dashboard, your Xbox dashboard, and you can also find them on the Xbox YouTube channel. So that's some really cool coverage that's coming pretty soon. And um, and yeah, I'm going to be doing a panel at QuakeCon with some Sweet. some friends, with um, Jeff Keeley and Adam Sessler, Andrew Reiner, and Pete Hines. That should be really fun. If you guys are going to QuakeCon, please come and say hi. And um, yeah, I look forward to doing more con stuff later in the summer. Literally every single one of those people except Pete Hines have been guests on this show. So that's cool. Um, yeah. And we're going to keep it that way. <laughs> no Pete Hines for you. Um, but just sort of side note, because I'm curious, what, what was your favorite thing at Comic-Con or what was the coolest thing you did or saw or what, what happened? I mean, by far and away, like defining career moment for me was getting to interview the cast of Game of Thrones. 
I mm-hmm. like I had to like hold down all of my inner fangirl and maintain professionalism. I got to be inside the Warner Brothers booth and interview them before they did their fan signing and so lovely. All of them have the best accents because they're all British. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but getting to talk to Maisie Williams about playing Aria and talking to Sophie Turner about, you know, her season as Sansa and, you know, hearing funny stories from Liam Cunningham and, you know, talking to Carice about the barbecue of Shireen, as she put it. I just like, I don't know, like it was really a really fun experience for me and definitely a highlight of Comic-Con. That sounds rad. Very cool. Uh, Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week? Uh, also on Twitter at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R. Um, not this week, but long range stuff that I will continue to mention because I'm excited about them. July 28th, an evening with me, uh, Christian Spicer at NerdMelt with some of my best friends because that's what an evening with me is. Um, you and Mr. Anthony Carboni doing a live We Have Concerns. Kyle Kinane going to be there. Dean Del Rey, Brenton Biddlecombe. It's going to be dope. July 30th, uh, Dean and Brian Redband, who you might know from the Joe Rogan experience and the Death Squad Network, we're going to be at the San Jose Improv August 27th and 28th. I will be at the Seattle Comedy Underground. That's the, hey, same weekend PAX is going on. PAX all day, comedy all night. And then September 3rd through 5th, Austin, I will be there for the Out of Bounds Festival doing a bunch of shows with a bunch of great people. Mr. Kanata, what do you have a concern about this week? Well, so many things. We have concerns.com is where you would go to listen to that show. It's a comedy show, as you mentioned. And yeah, July 28th, we're doing a live show with you. It's going to be exciting. We're also going to Nerdtacular. So if you're going to be at Nerdtacular, I think that is the weekend of August 1st, which is my birthday. Um, also my birthday. Also Angie's birthday. Uh, so, birthday, uh, birthday buddies. Um so we'll be, yeah, we'll be at Nertacular. So if you're going to be at Nertacular, I hope you'll say hi and see us there at our panel. I think we're opposite um, the uh, Sword and Laser panel, which is a bummer. So pick us, pick us. Um, <laughs> and and we're working on PAX. So hopefully DLC will be at PAX. We submitted a panel, so we'll see how that goes. And um, you can also listen to the Slash Filmcast. Um, we'll be talking movies. I'm going to see Ant-Man tonight, so I'm very excited to talk about that. Uh, slashfilmcast.com is where you go for that. And also... Following me on the Twitter at Jeff Canada with two N's and one T. All right, guys, let's give the people what they want. Their parting gift. Andrea, do you have a suggestion for something to keep people occupied through the week that might not be a video game? Um, sure. I have been obsessively reading The Wise Man's Fear. That is the sequel to The Name of the Wind from Patrick Rothfuss. I actually had the amazing opportunity to meet him at Comic-Con. Um, and he was super nice. And I was just like, oh my God, like I'm obsessively reading this book. It's a page turner. So good. So, um, if you guys are into fantasy novels, this one is so well done. And like, the the way that he writes is just I mean, it's like so on point. It's like I can't as somebody who's read like dozens and dozens of fantasy and sci-fi novels over my lifetime and reread so many of them and like I'm such a big fantasy book nerd. He just like surprised me so much with just 
how fantastic it is for such a, for a relatively new writer, you know, for like the second book in a series, sometimes it takes authors, you know, a couple of major novels to really find their groove and he seemed to just find it right off the bat. So it's really great. If you like reading books, um, definitely check the, that series out. The Name of the Wind is the first book. The Wise Man's Fear is book number two. Also, if you guys aren't watching Last Week Tonight with John Oliver on HBO, really, really fantastic journalism mm-hmm. mixed with comedy happening there. Like His team is so good in the way that he really brings some important issues to light that people maybe aren't talking about this past week. He talked about public money in stadiums being built around the United States it was a really interesting look at it, facts that I had no idea about. Really, um, it's infuriating, it's, isn't it? It's crazy. It, it is. It's a definitely infuriating. It might make you angry, but his team is doing really great work. And if you don't have HBO already, definitely worth getting HBO for. I will second both of those points, man. Patrick Rothfuss's uh, series is great. He is a super nice guy. Couldn't be more down to earth and uh, really, really the story of Kavota or however you pronounce it. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, great. Great stuff. Uh, Christian, how about you? What's your parting gift? One practical, one squishy, practical. Back up your data now. Plug in your external hard drive or whatever you do. Put your phone in the cloud. Do it right now. Take a break. Stop, Stop this and back it up. Because you haven't in a while. Trust me. Back up your data. From uh, a guy who's lost some data, back up your data. Squishy. Um, Sunday is my wife and I's 12-year wedding anniversary. Hey, congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. With that, um, the dumb thing from a guy who loves being married is put yourself out there. Take a chance. Put yourself in new, weird, uncomfortable situations. Look for love because when it happens, it's awesome. Oh, adorable. Christian Spicer, everybody. Um, I got a recommendation for you. This is something uh, that I was a part of that I think is kind of cool. There's this new online magazine that just launched today on Monday, the 13th of July, and it's called Minimums, and um, it is spotlighting interesting people on the net and the the items that they cherish most in the world, and it's sort of a a splash page look at all these different things that they love in their lives that are physical objects. Um, and they, they came over to my house and they photographed me and some of the things that I like and cherish. And, uh, so I am featured in the first grouping of people that are on this, uh, on this online magazine. It's called minimums. Go to minimums.com. I have no affiliation with it. Uh, they just asked me to be part of it. And, uh, I think it's kind of cool. I was reading some of the other people's items and thinking, Oh, maybe I should have picked some other stuff. Like people are like, my dog. I'm like, your dog is an item. Okay. Um, but it's cool. It's a cool, uh, interesting idea of, of, you know, when they said, we want you to pick out six to eight items that are your favorite things. I was like, really? How do I even, what do I even do? I I gave me pause, but I think you guys will dig some of the stuff I picked and some cool photography of me and, and the office in which I record this show, in fact. So uh, check that out, minimums.com. I don't get anything for it, but I think it's kind of cool. Um, all right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks to Andrea Renee, Christian Spicer, all the folks at DLC for making it possible. Thanks to our chat room, who are awesome and here every week, giving us really great content and really great discussion during the show. You can always do that at 11 a.m. Pacific time by going to 5x5.tv slash live and jumping in with the group it's really a cool group of people uh thanks to all of you who are listening out of time we really appreciate that 
Uh, we couldn't do the show without you. We will be here next week. We'll see you then. Until that time, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.